Welcome everyone to Dinging Corners 2.0. I'm Nate. We are here with Jimbo today and we promised you the MLB Top 100 and we are here to deliver. Uh, I know we said we were going to do it last time and then time got away from us. Time always gets away from us. We are long-winded. We like to talk about baseball and what seems like 20 minutes, you look up and it's been an hour and you realize you probably shouldn't go for like a three-hour podcast. Nobody would listen. So, we moved MLB Top 100 to today, and uh, that is what we're going to do. So this is the this is the how it's going to go. Story time, but this time it's my story time, not Jimbo's. Um, switching it up on you guys just a little bit, and then we'll have Jimbo's highest risers and fallers from the previous year. Uh, really good information to have in your brain when you're looking at these lists. And then we are going to go back and forth on players that kind of surprise us or we like their positioning or don't like their positioning or eh, deep dives, deep dives into guys. Um, so uh, first and foremost, welcome, Jimbo. Hey, what's up, everyone? Pumped to be here as always. Perfect. And Jimbo's taking off his glasses. It's really throwing me off. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, you guys can't see Jimbo, but I can see Jimbo as we're talking. You're listening on podcast. but. We have story time here, and this is a story that just happened this past weekend in Las Vegas at the Mint Collective. I was telling it to Jimbo yesterday. He said, hey, you got to say that on the podcast. I love that. So here we go. So I go into Las Vegas, and I'm looking for a few guys. Keston Hira, whom I love. As always. As always. Owen White, who we talked about last week. Those were the two guys I was looking for. I didn't actually think I'd find any. I didn't know what the show would be like. And for the most part, the show was mostly a networking event with some cards. There was a lot of cards there, but they were super high priced, super expensive. And some of them, they didn't really seem like people were trying to sell, just kind of show off a little bit. There weren't any bargain bin boxes or anything like that, or not at least not enough for my, my liking, right? But, oh, well. So I didn't think I would find any Owen White or Keston Hira. And I'm about to sneeze. Salud. Whew, good sneeze. Muted it so you guys didn't have to hear. So I'm looking around. I didn't think I'd find anything. And then I did happen to find an Owen White. Or more specifically, Aaron found me an Owen White. At a booth, orange auto number 25 PSA 10. He wanted 400 bucks for it. And I said, well, $400 is a bridge too far for me. Not going to buy that. Go up to the guy, try to talk him down. He's like, nah, I can't move. I can't move, blah, blah, blah. So I let it lie, and I go back two days later. And in those two days, I realized that what I'd been looking at before, I missed a card. And there was a gold auto that sold at the start of the month for $150 BGS 9.5. So I'm sitting there. I'm saying, all right, BGS 9.5, true gold, 150 bucks. We've got an orange, better card, PSA 10, better grade. <clears throat> Is that a $250 value increase? I don't know. His market's gotten a little bit hotter since we, since I was looking at it. I'm talking like refractors for like 25 bucks here. So, you know, his market had gotten hotter since the last gold sale. So that has to increase it. But I, in my mind, I was like, ah, it's probably like 200 bucks, you know, maybe around a $350 card. But the guy did not want to move off of it. And I didn't want to leave the card there. 
at that booth. Because I love Owen White. I'm really excited about him. And I'm excited to see what he can do. And if it fails, I can still sell it. I'll, I'll lose some money. But it's not a huge gamble. It's only a $400 gamble. So for me, I said to myself, is it worth spending 50 extra dollars to make sure you have this card at this booth right now compared to not spending the $50 and just not having the card and probably never seeing it again because it's an orange auto PSA 10, which there just aren't that many of. And I decided the 50 extra dollars at the time in my mind was worth it. Now, there might be people that would say, yeah, it's worth 400. There might be people that said you overestimated that it's actually worth 300. Um, tough to tell. Tough to tell. Just going off of the true gold to true orange and the BGS 95 to PSA 10, along with his market getting hotter, I just felt like $200 above that last price. But I could be wrong. So I went over there. I bought it for $400 because I just couldn't miss out. And sometimes you have to do that. If there is a card that you really want, it's a rare card, not a base auto, not a purple auto, not even really like a blue auto, unless it's a blue like Juan Soto or something. Sometimes it's worth paying that premium just to make sure you get that card. Couldn't agree no matter more. what. And Jimbo could not agree more. <clears throat> Jimbo, have you ever had an experience like that? Absolutely. I mean, there's times where, I mean, the way I look at it is in the tr true, true golds, true orange, true uh, reds in Bowman Chrome, like Bowman Chrome first. Those are the ones that like the, true collectors want the most so they're the like there's they just don't pop up very often so when you see it and you true if you truly believe in the person like you you got to go after it because and to me comps and all that like i don't they're they're irrelevant but they're also irrelevant to the situation because it's like hey here's the price this is what what it is you know it's not like a like a super it's not a a commonly traded card where there's a lot of data on it. Like the last comp could have been, maybe there was an auction where a lot of the true collectors didn't even know it was up. Yeah. So. True. Uh, I did find it funny. I got that orange for the same price. I bought the Aaron Ashby super refractor, which was absurd to me, but Hey, what are you going to do? All right. So we move on. We move on top 100 time, and like we promised, Jimbo has a nice list for us of the top risers and top fallers this year compared to the previous year, I assume? Yes. Yep. And honestly, like when they do this, uh, when they release the updated list, it's like one of my favorite days of, of the baseball year uh, because it's basically like, you know, you're prospecting these guys. You're keeping an eye on them for, you know, for a pretty long time projecting where they're going to go and then it's kind of like getting your report card it's like okay how did i how did i do on what i thought some of these players were doing and and what the mlb pipeline uh you know people think of them as well who have the in-depth knowledge and the scouts and all that so i wanted to start off this segment with just kind of going over some like uh the list of all the players that jumped the most the highest risers. So I'm going to just run through these real quick. Uh, we have Shane Boz with uh, with the the Rays, who was at spot. Uh, he was at number 90 overall, and now he's at number 12. That's 78 spots. That's yeah, incredible. Significant year. Yes. And then there's uh, here's an, another one that also, I've shout out. 
real quick, shout out Chris Archer. Just signed with the Twins. Um, the Chris Archer trade for Pittsburgh was the worst trade I've ever seen in my entire life. When it was just Tyler Glass now and Austin Meadows, plus a player to be named later. Then it got, because everyone and their moms knew that Chris Archer was washed up at that point, except for mm -hmm. Pittsburgh, apparently. And then it got worse when Shane Baz became the player to be named later, oh. which is absolutely insanity because he was their first round pick. So those three premium talents. But again, Shane Baz was like, you know, kind of a risk because relief pitcher profile, but still insane talent. And now you're seeing the Rays capitalizing on that talent to the point where he is the number 12 overall prospect and got some time end of last season in the major. It would have been a horrible trade, even if it was just for one of those players. Um, but also fun fact, I do have a story, even though I said I didn't. So fun fact about Chris Archer, just real quick. Uh, he, he came down, uh, he was in AAA way back in the day before he even made his debut. And I remember I went on the visiting side. I was with the Toledo Mud Hens and uh, I, he was making a peanut butter and jelly or, or I was, I forget what it was. Where anyways, I just remember he was like, dude, I love peanut butter and jelly. And I was like, dude, I eat one every day. Like I, eat, I used to make them up, put them in bags, throw them in the fridge and just eat them whenever. And it was like our joke. He was like, he just loved peanut butter and jelly. So every time, every day that home, or yeah, the home stand, he came in. He's like, yo, peanut butter and jelly, dude. I was like, oh, you know it. And then every time I've ever seen him, because I, I, you know, like when I went up to the Tigers, I would see him when he was playing with the Pirates. And for whatever reason, he remembered me as the peanut butter and jelly guy. And it was just, that that's my Chris Archer story. He's a really cool dude. He's a, And uh, so fun fact. But yeah, that trade was horrible. So congrats to the Rays like normal. Uh, them in their their front office. So, uh, back to the list. <laughs> peanut butter <laughs> jelly, dude. Peanut butter jelly. Call you that from now on. I love peanut butter jelly. Uh, but back to the list. We got wait, wait, wait. one one quick quick question. Quick question. This needs to be answered for everyone that's curious, which might just be me, but it could be everyone else. Peanut butter on both pieces of bread, jelly in the middle, or peanut butter on one slice of bread, jelly on the other slice of bread. Wait, are you joking or? Dead serious question. Dude, peanut butter on one, jelly on the other, dude. No, dude. no. Why dude. would you double the work? You get the jelly soaking through the bread. It becomes nah, mushy not and gross. Not if you have the right bread. No, you need you need peanut butter on one side, peanut butter on the other, jelly in the middle. Then the peanut butter creates a barrier nah. so that the jelly doesn't soak through the bread. You know when you're in... When you're in uh, School, fifth grade, fourth grade, whatever, your parents make you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you can't eat it for like four hours. Like if you're just making it right away and eating it right away, yeah, the jelly's not going to soak through. But if you're not going to eat it for like four hours, that jelly's soaking through that bread. But Terrible here's the thing, though, dude. If you put if you put peanut butter on both sides, it's like wearing rubber gloves. It's just going to slide out. No. Well, you got to be careful. Well, I don't want to be careful, dude. You've seen me. I'm I'm wild, dude. I can't sit still. So that's fair. That's fair. Well, this is a disappointment to me personally. I feel personally attacked that you would put jelly on the bread itself. You think you you think you know somebody? Well, how about they... this, Nate? How about this? Triangles or the rectangle or whatever it is. This one's triangle, like a triangle. Okay. Triangle. Yeah. This was about to be the quickest podcast we ever had. <laughs> <laughs> we're done all uh, right well now that we know jimbo's true colors let's move on to the next guy on your list perfect 
So we had Brett Beatty, who I was I was watching like a hawk last year because that him and uh, Francisco Alvarez was a ton of fun watching throughout the minors last year. He jumped 67 spots, which was not a surprise at all. If you look at his numbers, he looked phenomenal. Um, then we have Alec Thomas, who we were briefly talking about before, uh, jumped 63 spots. We have George Kirby with the Mariners, jumped 60 spots. Cade Cavelli, who we talked about last episode, throwing absolute gas, jumped 60 spots. Shout out Cade Cavelli, got absolutely obliterated yesterday in spring training. Did he? Perfect. Oh, gave up like they they lost 29 to 8, and most of the runs came from um the national starter and then Cade Cavelli, like 22 of the runs or something like that. I think it was Annabelle Sanchez. Annabelle Sanchez, yeah. Dude, yeah. Annabelle. Smoked. Uh, Anibal, fun fact, Anibal used to give me a bunch of shoes because uh, he was size uh, 10 and a half, 11. So, fun fact, nice, guy. nice guy. Uh, Reed Detmers jumped 53 spots, uh, Louisville product. Brendan Davis jumped, well, I don't know how many jumped because my for whatever reason, I wrote this down different. He went from 61 to 15 in my math. Let's not test it. But that Where's kid. that, 36? Potentially. Uh, and then we have, uh oh, we got, if you guys see this 46. video, we got 46. I'm an idiot. <laughs> if we, if we would show this video, we had Nate close his eyes and it was just like Jedi mind trick. He was just like in the zone, Matt doing Matt. I just saw the math spinning, but yeah, Brennan Davis with the Cubs from 61 to 15. And then this one's interesting, which I actually want, I'm going to be doing a post here on Instagram because this one's, this one's fun. Hunter green. Jumped from 71 to 22, and he was announced he made the opening day roster. Now, here's a question. Does it really count for Hunter Green jumping that high if he was already that high before? I think because like, coming off He was off a very injury, highly ranked prospect as the number one overall pick. And Never then did. because of injuries, dropped like a rock and not pitching, and now he is skipping right back up the list. But I think it's impressive, dude. It's hard because one, it's hard to get another like get the hype again from a prospect. Usually, it's one hype and then it is what it is. But the fact that he, there was a, I'm talking, dude. This guy was the talk of cards. Mm -hmm. If you were, what was it, 2016? I think. I'm not 2018. Sure. I think 2018 was his Bowman Chrome card. Was it? Yeah, maybe. I could be wrong. I think so. I think 2018. But anyways, like he was like the one, the big chase, the fact that he was so hyped up and then got hurt and just not talked about at all, came back strong, looked at like really impressive last year. I think it's more impressive the second loop that he can get people's attention and jump back into that. So, yeah, um, I'd agree. Unfortunately, he's going to be playing at Great American Ballpark, so he'll be probably giving up a ton of homers. Also, it'll be interesting to see how like the Brewers deal with if he's still throwing 102, like as a starter, that'll be interesting. Yeah. I don't just, just from my point of view, like they're going to have a bad offense for sure. They got rid of all their good players pretty much, but they still have Luis Castile, Tyler Mall, and now Hunter Green. It's an interesting front three. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think their bullpen's not bad. You know how you can piece together a bullpen. Well, now that they've well, yes, you can. You very much can. The Brewers did it for years, and every year they grab a Brad Boxberger or a somebody else that comes out of the woodworks and throws like a three-two ERA and 
is their like third best reliever, and it's just like, oh yeah, that was easy. Um, but losing Rossiel Iglesias and uh, Amir mm-hmm. Garrett back to back years, that's that's tough. Yeah, a lot yeah, of talent. They, even though Amir Garrett didn't have a good year last year, and for whatever reason, they love trading their their relievers to the Dodgers. I feel like I feel like they're just the reliever farm team for the Dodgers. The the whole NL Central apparently is the farm team for the Dodgers because the Pirates. Well, actually, the Pirates got O'Neill Cruz from the Dodgers. So shout out! But the Pirates trade a lot away to the Dodgers. The um, Reds trade a lot away to the Dodgers. And then the Brewers didn't really trade them away, but they cut Jimmy Nelson, cut Corey Kniebel. They both end up on the Dodgers. Corey Kniebel, fun fact, was my um, uh, dorm spring training dorm uh, neighbor. Ah, yeah, former dorm. former Tigers draft pick, who they yeah. then traded to the Brewers. No, they traded him to the Rangers, and then the Rangers traded him to the Brewers. Yeah, and uh, I didn't even know like because uh, he. He, I think he was coming right out of the draft, and he was just super cool, dude. In the dorm, like it, like when we we're talking, when I say a dorm, like the, like it was dorm, like literally a dorm. Yeah. yeah, and it was cool, like him and Chad Green. And I remember I was like, a couple of years later, I see him on TV. I'm like, I think, I think I know those guys, and I couldn't remember. And I looked it up because they were on different teams, Yankees and the Brewers. And uh, they were like, yeah, Tigers 2014. I'm like, oh yeah, I definitely these were definitely my neighbors. Now I remember them. Uh, what's interesting about Corey Kniebel? outside of the fact that he has a close connection to our own Jimbo, is that he's one of those rare guys that is drafted as a closer in the first round and then goes on and becomes an absolutely dominant closer in the majors. Yeah, you don't see that very often. Uh, Brandon Woodruff was a relief pitcher closer for Mississippi State, maybe Old Miss. I, I mean, Mississippi State, I think. Brewers drafted him in the 11th round and then turned him back into a starter, and now he's top five starter in the National League. Without a doubt, top five, but you could maybe push him a little bit higher. There's a lot of people that have some Cy Young buzz for Brandon Woodruff this year. I I could not agree more, but I got a question for you. Yep. What made him go – what made them bring him back to a starter? Did he get another – did he bring another pitch in? Because I, I don't know him that far back. I don't – I don't know either. Well, that's interesting. I uh one of those things where it was just it was just like they draft him as a starter and then turn him instantly into a or draft him as a reliever or drafted him he was a reliever but they like drafted him as a starter. Oh okay. So in their mindset they, okay. Like it was it was instantaneous. They were and the Brewers do that with a lot of guys. Um stretch guys out and then if they have to backtrack to relieving, they do. Yeah. Like Josh Hader was a starter in the minors. Yeah. Well, I do one thing that I one thing I learned with when I in my time in baseball was a lot of times in the minors they'll have relievers uh start just to get innings. Mm-hmm. Um just to get their work in. Um but it's that's an inch I didn't I guess that's pretty smart for the Brewers to go out and find relievers and then try and see if they can add another pitch to their repertoire or to their arsenal to do to be a starter. Um, because usually if you're a reliever, you got a nasty one or two pitches, yep. um, but you need three or four to start. It's like, but- it's like drafting. I, I, I don't know if this is true anymore, but I know that NFL teams would draft like offensive tackles from small schools that were good and turn them into guards. Yep. Um, that's like drafting a reliever and teaching them pitches, which another reliever that learned a new pitch today or this year 
Devin Williams. Ooh, that's not even fair. Cutter. That's not even fair. So he's throwing his he's throwing his ninety eight mile per hour fastball. His changeup that's probably the most insane pitch in baseball. And then now a cutter that he learned from Corbin Burns. But I was also reading something the other day that Brandon Woodruff was talking about Burns's cutter, and he said I just can't do the same thing with my thumb to my pinky like um, Burns can. So I just can't throw his cutter even if I wanted to. Yeah, it's a and feel. That, it's such a feel pit. Like pit, pitching, such a feel. Ah. Yeah, but it was it, it is feel, but it was interesting because it's like sometimes you're like, yeah, you have a bigger hand, whatever, you know, you might be able to throw different pitches, but literally the flexibility in his hand causes him to not be able to throw the same pitches as Burns, which, which is why Burns' cutter is so insane, is because he can do stuff with his thumb that other guys can't do. I love it, dude. That's the thing that's so. You know what I miss, like when you're in the clubhouse or when you're with these guys, they they'll talk about stuff like that. Like if they're sitting around, like let's say you, let's say you and I are at the national or whatever, they're like, they'll have a baseball and they're just like casually teaching each other crazy pitches like that. And you're like, dude, this is a top five pitcher in the MLB. And they're just like, yeah, this is how I hold it. You should try it. And they're like, literally like developing just, it's just crazy. I, I miss that. The, the chatter. I, I like you. I like that you bring that up because it's always been one of those weird things to me where if you're competing against somebody or you know you're going to compete against them in the future, it doesn't seem like you'd want to try to give away tricks to your trade because and make them harder to beat. And yet these guys do that all the time. Because, they, but that's the thing. Like they, that's, that's the difference of like having clubhouse guys. Like a Verlander, I never saw a Verlander. Uh, like do that for anyone, like, like sit there and, and talk like that. But there's like most players do though, because the, I mean, they're, they're friends they're, you, you can't underestimate being in the same clubhouse with or being in the same, like this, like just area for eight months. Yeah. Every you're going to become friends or you're going to become enemies. Yeah. One like, or the other. Dude, it, it is like a drag. It's crazy to see how I've seen clubhouses with the divide and I've seen it without a divide. That's why, like, to me, the intangibles, like the Javi Baez for the, the Tiger signing, I love that signing because of the, like, he's a clubhouse guy. So um, we are definitely going off track. We are. Because we love baseball and we can't help it. And that is totally fine. But I'm going to go with some of the farthest falls. I like it. So here are some players that fell, uh, fell off the list the most, which. Garrett Mitchell. Yeah, Sprint. I don't have him on this list, but yeah, he did fall off, didn't he? He did. Yeah, I was high on that guy too, unfortunately. Um, can't win them all, but here we go. Christian Pache, who I feel like he's been on this list for the longest time, uh, but he's still a stud. Like this dude's a Gold Glover if he could just figure out how to hit a baseball. The thing about Pache, and I think the thing that everyone got into was top of the line defense deserves a ranking, mm-hmm. but. Everyone was looking, and this will be quick. We don't have to spend much time, but everyone was probably looking at Ronald Acuna and saying, oh, another international signee in Christian Pache, highly rated. I'm going to put all my money on him because he's going to become the next Ronald Acuna. He didn't. Mm -hmm. He wasn't going to. His bat was never the same, and he didn't become the next Ronald Acuna. And so if you're looking at a team and just being like, oh, the Giants had Buster Posey, and now they have Joey Bart. He's going to become amazing. Not true. Or... Um, the White Sox have Jose Abreu, and now they have Andrew Vaughn. He's going to be amazing. Not guaranteed. We don't know. Yeah. He could be amazing, but just just keep that in mind when you guys are doing your investing is just because they're on the same team. And even for me, 
just because Corbin Burns, Brent Woodruff, Freddie Peralta are amazing does not necessarily mean that Aaron Ashby is going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, I think one thing we do pretty well at is, and correct me if I'm wrong, is like we we explain the why, like the thought processes on, okay, here's a player and here's the why. And then, like, for me, I like to always know the why when I hear other people talk about different, you know, like, for instance, soccer. I'm learning soccer. I want to know the why someone likes this player because I want to know what to look for in the next player. Like, I don't want to just go Google and be like, oh, I need to go buy these players. Like, no, I want to go find the why so I can find them before they get on that list. And Christian Pache, yeah. But here's another one. His uh, former teammate, Drew Waters, which – very curious on i'm gonna dive i didn't really think about this until now but i want to dive a little deeper on drew waters he's been on this list for a while and they've had some openings up in the big league club where he could have filled in but they never brought him up which is making me feel like there's something about him that isn't they don't you know they're just not there yeah um so there's that and then nolan jones with the indians this guy there was a lot of hype around him who was i was never i don't know time power out of third base yeah, I always had a like a without a reason. I never really had a good feeling about him. No reason at all. Just I have I have a theory, but we'll get to that. Well, remember this. Remember the Nolan Jones thing, and then when we get to Alec Thomas, I'm gonna give you a theory that will connect back to Nolan Jones. I think it's because I'm a Tigers fan. I don't think so. I have, <laughs> okay. a, I have a I have a different theory. Yeah. All right. Then we got Forrest Whitley. Who just injury plague, unfortunately. Still a lot of talent. Just injuries are unfortunate. Jeter Downs, who I'm he's the guy, he's been traded everywhere. Which big red flag. Yeah, yeah, very big red flag. And I was pretty high on this kid, Mackenzie Gore. I wonder what made him drop. I think just injuries and ineffectiveness as he got to the upper levels. He was the highest rated pitcher at this time last year. Yeah. And he was the highest rated pitcher in his draft as a high schooler. Yeah. So, but I wanted to, I wanted to bring up the farthest falls because for anyone that's out there now, if you're, you know, if you've been in, if you've collected baseball cards for a while or just getting into it, not every prospect makes it. I'm talking about everyone on this list. They were highly regarded the last couple of years. So just be careful when buying prospects. Most of them don't make it. Um, and a, a ton of them don't make it in cards. Like they don't, the value of them, they'll never get past their, their, the hype of, you know, after they make their debut. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, and, and some of these guys won't make it past the hype of their prices coming straight out of Bowman draft. That too. Cause they just don't perform, uh, in the minors, which happens all the time. Yep. So, but that, that's my little quick rundown. You remember um, Austin Beck? Yeah, but the A's. Back. A's fifth overall, I believe. They had fifth. They grabbed AJ Puck sixth, and then the next year they grabbed Austin Beck fifth, I believe, if I'm getting that correct. Memory's a little bit faulty. But Austin Beck was like top high school hitting prospects, so good. Mike Trout comparisons, this and that. You fast forward a couple of years, he never even had like a good year in A ball. Yeah. Dude, you know who, who uh, reminds me of that? Like, is. The kid for the Yankees, he got traded to the White Sox, outfielder. Oh, um, um, Blake Rutherford? Yes, been in every Bowman product since 2010. Um, but <laughs> I, I haven't heard of him at all, but he was highly regarded too. Yeah, I think he had one 
decent year with the White Sox and pretty much has flamed out since then. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't like right after he got traded. I think he was pretty rough. And then like a year or two later, had a good year. And now he's been pretty bad. Well, when I was living in Charleston, he was uh, I went to the Charleston Rivers River Dogs game and it was that single A and he was playing. I've been there. Remember, I've been there. Yeah, I love that stadium. Uh, but I remember watching him and watching his at bats. And this was like right after I got out of baseball. So that was pretty freshly in tune with 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 everything. And I remember watching him like, dude, this guy, there's so much hype around him and he looks bad. And when you're in single A and you can usually the stars, they they're you can tell like you can mm-hmm. tell that, you know, basically it's like a high school equivalent or uh, like type type basically baseball what you're watching. And he looked worse even for like he looked bad for single A, like just from his peers. But I don't want to carry on too much because I know we, we got some more fun stuff and we already hit. Yeah, he uh, just to put just to point out. So. Yankees prospect, obviously Yankees prospects are always hyped. So you should take that with a grain of salt. They do a really good job of hyping up their own prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, 674 OPS in a ball between New York and the White Sox, his first year there. And then a 781 OPS his second year, which was the good year I was thinking about, which still isn't spectacular, but it's not terrible for a 21 year old in high A. And then it was 684, 666 and 690. Uh, 690 OPS in AAA as a 24-year-old, that's not going to get it done. That is not going to get it done, Mr. Nate. So is that is that all your your droppers? Yeah, yep. That's all my uh, my rundown. Oh, one last thing. 31 graduated off the list, which is huge because I want to bring something up at the end about that. All right. That's a big, that's a big number. So now let's just look at the list. Um and bring up some names or things you notice, anything like that. And I will start, and I will actually start with Alec Thomas. So Alec Thomas, Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks outfielder, played AAA last year, played AA and AAA, but in 34 games in AAA, hit 369 with a 434 on base and a 658 slugging, which is obviously insane. 168 WRC plus, which is also obviously insane. 439 betting average balls in play, which is again obviously insane. So, like insane numbers across the board, but BABIP fueled, so it's not gonna it's not gonna stay that high. But the nice thing was he hit for some power, eight home runs in 34 games, 166 plate appearances. He stole some bases and he walked a pretty good clip, nine percent, and only struck out 20% of the time. So, like, even with the BABIP-fueled thing, there's still stuff in there that is insanely good, and he's going to be a nice, nice player. And it got me thinking. I was surprised when I saw him sitting there at number 18 on the list. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number 19 is Corbin Carroll, who obviously was injured last year, and I would have thought Carroll would have been a highly higher-rated player than Alec Thomas. And he had... Between the two levels, like a 950 OPS between the two levels combined, which is obviously really good. And so I was like, why am I so surprised by this? And I think this goes back to your Nolan Jones thing, Alec Thomas thing, is that the more boring the name, the less likely we're ever going to like pay attention to him. Does that make sense? Like really? Alec Thomas, that's two first names. <laughs> Nolan Jones, two first names. 
Kalia Watson on the other end, that's an interesting name. Henry Davis, boring name. You know? <laughs> what? I'm just I'm just I'm just saying, I think I think in our minds somewhere subconsciously is that we see a boring name like a Nolan Jones or an Alec Thomas, and we just say we just kind of go go on to the next guy just because it's not an exciting name to look at. Nate, is this are you is this from the uh, the movie Moneyball where it's like oh yeah like uh, you know his girlfriend there's no confidence you remember how all that <laughs> he's got a boring that. name or that he's is not a that, baseball name that is not this but I do I do I do put some stock in like at least me personally Sal Freelich is an interesting name I kind of stop on it now he's Brewers prospect obviously I could go find a non Brewers prospect. But like Sal Freelich is an interesting name. Grayson Rodriguez is an interesting name, right? <laughs> um, uh, or Elvis Martinez, Cade Cavalli, Jackson Job. You know, they're all in- Nick Lodolo. They're interesting. And then you go on and you see like Cole Wynn. Woo! You know, so it's just one of those things. Bobby Miller. You ever looked at Bobby Miller for the Dodgers before? Dude, that dude's a stud though. Actually, I have. I, I, I know he's a stud, but it's like one of those it's one of those names that until he pops up on this list, you're not looking through a list of names that you should maybe look up that aren't on top hundreds and saying, you know what, I'm gonna take a gamble on Bobby Miller. He sounds like the your run of the mill middle relief prospect in A ball. Dude, you crack me up. Dude, I guess dude, if I if I was drafted, I would switch my name and like Jimbro, you know, like Fireballer Reyes, and my cards would be through the roof. That's right. That's a baseball name. That is a baseball name. And and I try not to put a ton of stock into it, but I realize that I do have these silent biases against these players, and not because of anything they've done. Like I knew Alex Tom Alec Thomas had a good year last year. And yet I was still shocked he was 20th or 18th. So just, just that. But as for Alec Thomas, um, something interesting here. And uh, Jimbo, I'm going to go back to back on these with Sal Freelich just so I can prove a point. Yeah, go for it. <clears throat> What's interesting is his last two base autos sold $80 fixed price on March 31st <clears throat> and $72 on March 30th on auction. We're talking base autos of the number 18 overall prospect in baseball going for $80 or under. That's insanity, especially when you compare it to Sal Freelich, Brewers prospect. I love him. I always try to bring up a Brewers prospect. Sal Freelich is nine days older than Alec Thomas. He's two inches shorter. He's got less power, um, but he does pretty much everything else just as well. His hit tool is really nice. His eye at the plate is really nice. His speed is really nice. His field is really nice. Like He does everything Alec Thomas does. He just doesn't have the same amount of power, and that probably has to deal with him being 5'9". Um, they even list, have them listed at the same weight. What what got me interested is that Alec Thomas put up a 950 OPS last year between Double A and Triple A. Sal Freelick, really good player, put up a 500 some OPS in High A in his first taste of it in 15 games. Now, obviously, that's first taste. He can get better. He will get better. I believe in him. He's a multi-sport athlete, um, really good at hockey, really good at football, really good at baseball. Now he's focusing on baseball full-time, so I have no doubts about it. But his base autos, the last couple sales there, 
His base auto BRG, whatever that is, nine seventy one dollars. Base auto sixty. Base auto sixty five. Base auto seventy. Base auto ninety. I mean, there's somebody that paid more money for a Sal Freelich than they did for an Alec Thomas. Alec mm. Thomas is three levels ahead or two levels ahead and has better numbers at those levels while being nine days younger and pretty much doing everything Sal Freelich can do. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, I like Sal Freelich. I like him a lot. Obviously, I'm a Brewers fan. He's a Brewer. But man... I would be I would be flabbergasted if I went out and spent $65, $70 on Sal Freelich when I can get an Alec Thomas Bowman base auto for the same price. Couldn't yeah, I I would rather have Alec Thomas on that. And it's probably a shorter, uh less of a print run since it was what, 2018 was his rookie or his Bowman? Uh let me look at the card here. Yep, 2018. It's funny because I my uh photogenic memory. It just remembers like the the style of the card, and that's how I know what year. <laughs> mm-hmm. But isn't that isn't that insane? Yeah, I, I just think it's because you know Sal's was in the you know a newer product, and there's just more chatter around it. And yeah, fair. That's why if you know if you do if you do your research and and you you figure out the why you're buying someone. Like the why you'll hear me say that all the time, the why, the why, the why, then you'll be able to find players that you should be buying, you know, without having, you know, just because, you know, diamonds in the rough, you're not just chasing someone. I agree. All right. Who do you got Jimbo? Yes. Um, There's a couple, there's a couple I I like on here. I'm going to, my goal is to always try and highlight some people that, that people might not, necessarily talk about a lot so i'm going to go with a kid uh for the yankees who i find very interesting austin wells uh, catcher yeah first rounder uh for the yanks back in 2020 and i'm pretty sure he was out of what is it arizona um but i i've liked this kid since he was drafted He's an interesting one, you know, not necessarily this, uh, a person that you would, you know, a catcher, you don't necessarily go after, but Mm -hmm. he's a good hitter. He's got good power. Um, you know, I've heard of what I've heard and seen his catch ability. They were wondering if he was going to stay at catcher, they're going to move him around. They like him at catcher. And I feel like, you know, with, I feel like there's a, there's a spot open for the Yankees at catcher. You know, you got um, Gary Sanchez gone, but I feel like there's going to be something there for that. And I, and I know they traded uh, to the twins for that one kid, uh, that one catcher that got hurt like the first day of spring training. I forget his name. Oh, uh, re- retrovert or whatever. Mm-hmm. Rotovert. Um, he's actually from Wisconsin. Shout out Ben. I don't know how to say his last name, Ben yeah. Rodevert or something like that from Wisconsin. Shout out. Yeah. But I like this Austin Wells kid because it's the fact that he's on the Yankees. He's a college bat. And what I've heard from Yankees, uh, like scouts from, from just reading and hearing other things that they, they they like him a lot, highly regarded, which I usually don't buy too much into, uh, like the team 
scouts and all of that because they're always going to talk very well of their own prospects because that's basically their report card um, mm -hmm. is how well their prospects that they that they find do. But yeah, he's one that's interesting. He's finally on the list. He's at 96 overall. Where if he comes in and he has a good year this year, he I don't think he'll uh, debut this year. But if he has a solid year this year, he's one that we could see jump pretty, pretty well. Where he's got the tools to do that. Um, and that's question for you. What's that? Yeah. So he's twenty two right now. He'll be twenty four in or twenty three in July, which means there'll still be like half a season left. By the time he gets called up, he'll probably be twenty four. Are you worried about having a 24-year-old catcher as an investment piece? So I love how you brought that up. Yes. But just like anything before, let's say before I even do anything, it's like, okay, what what is my strategy with him? He's on the Yankees. He's probably going to hit well this year. Could move up in the, in the pipeline. All those three aren't really relevant to the age because for me, it's not a long-term. This isn't a... This isn't a um, uh, an Alec Thomas or a Corbin Burns type player where I would want to, you know, I would probably hold for after the debut because they're they're going to be good long term outfielders. They're young, all that. This is one where he's going to get a lot of hype with probably within the next year because going into spring next year, he could be slotted to be on the opening day roster as a catcher. Guess what, Yankee? Well, guess what, people that that like the Yankees, they're going to go out and buy this dude regardless. Yeah. And that's my. And I think I just bring it up just to play devil's advocate. You like obviously it. know that I don't believe I don't I'm not necessarily a, a tried and true sell it call up guy. So like for me, if I was investing in Austin Wells, I'd just be hoping for a good year in double A and then cut bait if if I can mm -hmm. um, or triple A. But I bring it up just so that we can we make sure we cover all viewpoints just in case somebody out there is like, hey, so, I appreciate that because yeah. because I because they also update this list halfway through. Where if he has a solid first half, which he is older, which means he is more developed as a hitter, where he could have a very solid because down in the minors he could have a very solid first half and then get bumped up to let's say even close to the 60, 50 range or 70, that will bump up his prices alone. You can do a quick flip. Um, but long term, I would say like I, I wouldn't hold anything crazy long for this guy, but just for the the quicker flip. But I like how you brought that question up. I appreciate that. Also, uh, really quick here, I forgot to bring it up earlier, and then I saw it on the page. You know, Austin Wells is about to be 23 this year. Blake Rutherford is only 24 right now. Can you believe that? We bring up Blake Rutherford, and he's been around for like 20 years. Yeah, he's only a year older than Austin Wells, who's had one year in the minors. You know what's crazy? Look up like a Juan Soto or an Acuna or all these guys we've been watching for a while and see how old they are. Yeah, 23. Crazy, right? Yeah. I don't I, I can't remember, but I just know that they're like if you we look at some of these prospects and some of these guys that have done it that have already been in the big leagues, solid, you know, established face of the league, all of that, and they're still extremely young. Juan Soto is not even a year older than Austin Wells. That's crazy. So but he's younger than Blake Rutherford. Like, that's the thing. Like now, like it almost makes me like, what am I doing with prospects? Go buy this dude. He's still twenty three year. Oh my, yeah. Yep, yep, exactly. Juan Soto is. If you if you ever have a question, should I buy Juan Soto? The answer is literally always yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um. 
All right. So I kind of went two for one there. So if you've got another. Yes, I got another one. This is a good, this one will be pretty fast. This is one that I meant to bring up on one of our other episodes, but we ran out of time is Miguel Vargas, which Mm, and this one will be quick because it's basically the same. If you listen to the, uh, I think it was two episodes ago, ago when we were talking about Andy pages, same aspect. Did hit very well down the minors in very tough leagues, absolutely dominated. You know, I'm not very big on Dodger uh, prospects just because they're so loaded up at the the big league club that it's hard for them to find a spot for these kids. But this dude can absolutely demolish a baseball, and I've been watching him in spring, and he is just a monster. An absolute monster where I wish the Tigers would make a call and get this kid. You know, it's weird in my mind. I feel like I imagine Miguel Vargas being kind of chunky. Me too. Right. Cause it's, bone it's telling me that he's six, three, 205 pounds. That is not chunky. His Bowman car makes him look chunky. It does. But yeah, he's not. Cause I, I think the same thing. Yeah. Very, very strange. Just a, just a strange occurrence, I guess. Yeah. Um, my next guy, I do like Miguel Vargas. There isn't a very, very good bat there, but like you said, is he going to end up getting playing time in LA? And even if he does get playing time, is he going to get a ton of playing time? Because look at Gavin Lux, you know. So it's it's always yeah. a risk because they have too many good players. Must be nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my next. Pick was Nick Gonzalez. Oh, I love that pick. Number 20, Pittsburgh. Um, and these aren't necessarily Jimbo is highlighting guys that people aren't really thinking about. I'm highlighting guys that I'm kind of surprised that they are where they're at. So we're two different, two different criteria here. Um, but I like it because it covers more people. And Nick Gonzalez for me, you know, he was seventh overall pick a couple years ago, and it was a like he was like a jack of all trades kind of guy where upside not like massive per se but he did everything really well and so you're going to get a player that didn't really have any weaknesses and maybe he's like a three to four win player instead of a or two to four win player instead of like a six win player ever you know where you're not getting that superstar upside but you're also not and probably going to draft a bust and I was actually kind of shocked he was there because, like, he had a good year last year in high A. Um, hit 302 with a 385 on base and a 565 slugging. That's really good. 150 WRC plus. We're talking over 900 OPS. But, or maybe like a 950 OPS. Actually, I think it's exactly 950. But he had a 388 betting average balls in play. He did hit 18 home runs, which was way more home runs than I was expecting out of him, especially as a second baseman. And so it got me thinking, maybe I should, if he has this type of power, maybe I should reconfigure what I think about him. Dude, he's because, good. What? He's good. Like, he, I, I like I like him. He is good. And if, if you're hitting 18 home runs and 369 plate appearances, you know, if you're hitting leadoff and he's got the speed to hit leadoff uh, and the eye at the plate, if you're doing that and you are a 25 – home run guy in Pittsburgh as their leadoff man playing good defensive second base, adding some steals. That's a super, super, super interesting guy. That being said, 
is he worth let's find a base auto here remember when we talked about alec thomas being 70 80 dollars um a base auto of 162 dollars for a base auto of nick gonzalez would you rather have two alec thomases or one nick gonzalez I would rather have two Alec Thomases because and Nick Gonzalez, keep in mind, is a year older than Alec Thomas. Yeah, I don't. I Nick Gonzalez, I I like to take a flyer on and do a quick, quick flip because I think he'll come out of the gate hot in the majors. But I would, I would, I would get, I would cash out while I could. He's not one where I would hold past that. He's gonna hit hit in the majors. He's gonna he's gonna hit. But I always go back to. Andrew McCutcheon was an absolute monster for, for the pirates and prices. They, you know, they just weren't there. Yep. So I always keep that in mind, but there's always, there's money to be made in these guys. It's just, it's all about strategy. Yeah, I agree. And, and I'm not trying to poo poo anybody who's spending on Nick Gonzalez. He's a nice player. He's significantly more interesting having hit that many home runs last year. Now, obviously he's a college bat who was old for high A, and I want to see him against stiffer competition. We'll see how he does. But if he keeps that power production up, 25, 30 home runs out of a second baseman and a good eye at the plate is really rare. Like, you can get 25, 30 home runs out of Rugnit Odor, but he's got the worst eye at the plate I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) So it's 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 a rare combination for a guy playing the second base. So it's it's interesting. But uh, we move on, Jimbo. Your next guy. Yeah, I'm going to bring up a guy, and this is a guy I used to talk about a lot last year because I was kind of I don't know, a little outraged on I forget when it was the last time they updated this list. Zach Veen. Mm-hmm. This kid drafted out of high school. Absolute, like, incredible bat. Very young. But he had a great year last year. And, uh, you know, just to kind of give you a rundown, he had a 301 301 average, uh, 501 slugging. Uh, Let me just highlight a few things. Don't skip over his on-base like that. Rude. (laughs) I'm a big Uh, on-base guy. But – this guy, like, he's just oh, 15 bombs, 75 RBIs, 64 walks, like 36 stolen bases, like, for a catcher. He does a little bit of everything very well. Uh, but here's the thing. He's so young. This is – he was in uh, an A-ball as a 19-year-old right out of uh, – you know, just right out, right out of being drafted. And he actually dropped last year in the updated list when this was going on like halfway through or whatever it was. And I was like, what in the world? And then they, you know, they pushed Jason Dominguez up there who struggled like the first half And that, like in my mind, just like, I was like, this is, this is just how it works. Like it is what it is. And just kind of like reaffirmed what I, like if you watch how this list gets not manipulated, but uh, how it all, just how it works it's all about marketing for these guys it's the mlb they want excitement for the for the players that are on certain teams but if zach veen was on was on the yankees this dude would be would be bobby witt you know bobby witt he'd be the jason to he would he would be higher than a jason dominguez honestly for mm-hmm. 
for all of everything that you know he has but he luckily they put him what now he's at 30 at the 36 spot in the mlb top 100 i want to say he was like in the 50 range or 60 range last year and i was just like what in the world if this guy was on any other team besides the rockies this dude would be so like just talked about all the time so that's a guy who gets the same treatment as let's say the Nick Gonzalez where Nick Gonzalez could be an extremely good MLB player, but you know, his prices will probably just, they won't sustain. Mm -hmm. um, but Zach Veen is one where he's still young enough where he could be a top 10 guy potentially next year or the year after, because he's not going to be in the majors anytime soon. Um, I like it. Six, four outfielders don't grow on trees. So I'm, I'm a fan of that. Uh, fan of Zach Veen. He was amazing last year. One brief uh, correction here is you said catcher. He is an outfielder. I think you I know that. Um, so just uh, just a slip of the tongue. But I didn't want anybody sitting there at home being like, oh, Jimbo called him a catcher. He's not a catcher. <laughs> he <doesn't know. laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, Zach Veen, very interesting. And I agree. I agree. If he was on a different team, I think he, he would be massive. Like, there's no reason for – my next guy is going to bring up Nolan Gorman to be uh, higher ranked than Zach Dean. There's just no reason. And um, uh, just a quick reminder, because Robert Hassel III is 37th. So Zach Dean, 36. Robert Hassel III, 37th. I feel like San Diego was in the spot of these Colorados and these Pittsburghs and stuff where they would have a prospect and people just kind of wouldn't care because it's, it's San Diego. Mm -hmm. you know? Who cares? San Diego. And they've really changed their perception. And a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that they're spending huge amounts of money. Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, Eric Hosmer, um, all those guys. But it can be done. And so, like, if Pittsburgh got a new owner in there and they started spending money and all of a sudden people started paying attention, much more close attention to them, I think you'd see the Quinn Priesters of the world and stuff like and guys like that go up in price. I agree. So they're not they're not stuck there, but until there's a change in regime, I don't think like a Zach Veen in Colorado. And Colorado has its own set of difficulties with Coors Field, but you get you get good owners in there, and I think these things can change. Mm -hmm. uh, my next guy, I said Nolan Gorman, um, and he was 33rd. I have a big problem with this. Let's see here. So Nolan Gorman has been in the minors since 2018. His first year, he killed it 183 WRC plus, but he had a 411 BABIP. And then he had a tough go of it in his first drive A ball. And then he's pretty much been 128 WRC plus, 117, 129, 106. Good numbers. Good numbers. But are they good enough numbers for a dude that doesn't have speed and isn't a very good defensive third baseman, probably going to have to end up being like a first baseman at some point, um, even though they have second base, third base here. So that would be interesting. I still don't think he'd be a good second baseman either. Are those numbers of a 129 WR or 128 WRC plus in 2019 a ball, 117 WRC plus in 2019 high A. And anytime I say those numbers for those of you at home, 100 is league average. Any point, any number above that, 101 would be 1% better in league average, 102, 2%. So 128, 28% better, 117, 17% better. 
And then a 129 WRC plus in double A and a 106 WRC plus last year in triple A. They're good numbers. They're good numbers. Anytime you're above 100, you're a good player. Like, I can't complain about being a better than league average player. You never can. He also limited his strikeout numbers, 19.2% in AAA. But I just don't look at – I don't doubt that he's a nice player. He's got a ton of power. He's got power for days. I just don't look at these numbers and say to myself, you know what? This dude that doesn't have speed, not a good fielder, and is merely good with the bat, not spectacular – I don't think that dude deserves to be number 33 over guys like Zach Veen who put up an amazing year or Elvis Martinez who put up an amazing year or, you know, Bryson Stott, um, guys like that. So frustrating for me there. And then one other frustration while I'm audit, audit, edit is number 23, number 24, and number 25, Jordan Lawler, Henry Davis, and Khalil Watson. Every year, they do this every single year. MLB Pipeline, I don't know, they get lazy or something, and they rank a bunch of just drafted guys in a row. Why does that happen? There's no way you can look at me and say, yeah, actually, all these guys are 20. These, these three guys, they're all better than the guys below them. Like, would you take Khalil Watson over Neil Cruz right now? Very doubtful. Very doubtful of Brett Beatty. And so for me, it's like you want to rank a couple guys in a row, but ranking three dudes in a row, and they've done this, they do this literally every year because I notice it every year. Usually it's in the 50s. This year it's in the 20s. Um, yeah. It seems kind of lazy to me. Like, oh, we don't know where to put them, but they are high draft picks, so we have to put them high. So let's just put them all three in a row because we can't decide. Yeah. Dude, I, I agree with that. I think it's too because it's a group that does – like that makes this – uh, makes that list where, uh, you know, there's a little bit there. I think there's some ego in it too, where it's like, no, we knew these guys early. Let's put them on those lists. We're not putting them super high, but let's put them, you know, someone on the list so we can say we have them on the list if they pan out. And if they don't pan out, oh, you know, they were young. We put them on there and they didn't, you know, they didn't do what we thought. So it's like a wishy-washy, but that's what makes it fun on. If you figure out the why, why you're buying someone in, in, and if you if you just make the smart decisions on why you're buying someone, I mean, then you can't go wrong. Well, you can, but at least you know have a better idea, and you're not just buying someone that's just on the list. Mm-hmm. I agree. Do your homework. Not everything is how it appears. Just like you're looking at a guy. I mean, just not everything isn't how it appears on a prospect list. But you can also do that when you're looking at stats. Dude hits 30 home runs. Oh, I got to buy him. Oh, he also struck out 32% of the time in a ball. Oh, I better not buy him because once he faces better pitching, he's going to get obliterated type of thing. Couldn't agree more. So um, I've got one guy left after this. Do you have how many guys you got left? I think we should. Yeah, I'll do. You do one. I'll do one. You do one. And then we'll call it. How about this? Um, I'm good. I I would rather have it do is something I want to touch at the end rather than uh, talk about a player more of like the process. So I'll let okay. you talk about your player and then I could wrap it up with 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 what I'm thinking. Okay, let's do that. Uh, my last guy is George Valera. 
interesting to me, he, and he is number 47 for the Guardians, number 47 on the top 100 list. What's interesting to me about George Valera is that he's been around forever. I've been hearing his name since he was like 16 years old, and there's been rumors about him having an auto in Bowman at some point since he was 16 years old. Now, he is finally in Bowman First Edition, 2022 Bowman First Edition, which means he's probably getting an auto this year, finally. Uh, and he's already in AA. He's been around since 2018 as a 17-year-old, so maybe not 2016, 2018. Or I heard him when he was 16. I don't remember what I said. But he's been around. He's finally getting auto. He strikes out a ton, but he walks a ton. He's got pop. Pretty good amount of pop, I'd say, anyways. Yeah. And he's just an interesting prospect. And what really interests me is that usually these guys have autos by this point. And he was supposed to have an auto. So there's an image on Twitter. If you look up Rafa Nieves, R-A, or at MLB agent. So at MLB underscore agent. You can find a picture from, and his, his username is Rafa Nieves.eth. Blue check mark. What if I told you guys that George Valera will not have a Bowman autograph, but I have a true one-of-a-kind, never-produced, one-of-one Pad Pardasha? And sure enough, he's got a George Valera Pad Pardasha here, and it's dirty as can be. One-of-one, and it was supposed to be in 2020 Bowman. Hmm. And it never made it, and I wonder if it's because the one-of-one got super dirty. But then a little bit later, he got it signed because there's a post by J. Pierce on Blowout Cards where it's a picture of him signing the card for his agent. And so he signed the one of one So there is a one-of-one Pad Bradasha Bowman Chrome Sapphire Auto out there of George Valera with a first Bowman logo on it, despite the fact that he doesn't actually have any released cards yet. That's interesting. I know there's a lot of uh, things that kind of screwed a lot of things up with the pandemic, um, with the autos and getting stuff back. That makes sense. I didn't think about that 2020 pandemic time. Um, but it's just, it's, it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me that there are, there are, I wonder how many other guys are out there that have autos floating around, but uh, don't have an auto released yet. And so if this George Valera auto pops up and it's first edition from 2020, but then, or Bowman first from 2020, but then also he has Bowman first from this year, that could get really confusing. Mm-hmm. But that's all I got. That's all I have for the top 100. There's obviously plenty of names, and we can go on forever. I mean, there's another Low or Lau for Tampa Bay, Josh. Josh Lau, Josh Low. I don't know. You know Brandon and Nate, um, not brothers, but they seem to always draft these guys with the same names. And there's, there's just so many guys we could cover, and we can't. So we're going to end it off there. Jimbo, yes. tell us what you're going to tell us. Yes, yeah, so one thing that I – so this is good. Yeah, this is this is one thing I want to end with because I, I'm a true believer in this where you can make some easy money uh doing this. Where okay, so last year we had 31 players on here that are now not on here because they graduated, they you know they got called up, debuted, so they're no longer eligible for this list. So in my mind, when I'm looking through this list, I'm thinking, okay, who who is going to be off this list? Who's going to graduate? Who's going to be on the MLB roster opening day and figuring out which players are going to be called up and, and try and figure out when they'll be called up. 
and get a number of basically how many that I think that would be get called up. And then you can look at the, the lower half, like, and then you scroll down and say, okay, what players are young enough that will still be on this list that I feel like will perform really well in the minors that could get that boost and get that jump mm -hmm. where they're on that, they're on that top, you know, 10, 15, top 50, whatever it is, where that is where the money's at. It's, you know, like I'm a believer of finding people before they're, they're talked about all the time. And you can do it by just, just doing some very basic, just make a list, like even a spreadsheet, just count them out, do a little research, figure out how many people are going to be off and just do some math. So like, like for instance, just a random number, let's say there's 15 players that I think will be, you know, off this list by uh, uh, like mid, mid uh, update list. You can say, okay, which one, who do I think will be in the top five next? Mm -hmm. And maybe pick up some of their autos or whatever it is before, before they update that list. So just keep that in mind. And you, uh, a good example of this is Noel V. Marte last year. Exactly. He blows up a little bit. He's going to move up the list, and then he gets up to, like, the 20s. And then you look at the number of guys in front of him, and as long as he just keeps hitting, the number of guys in front of him is, was going to move him up. And when I, when I did the calculations last year, I think it was going to move him up to, like, number 8. He moved up to 11. Um, so pretty close. And you can just be like, all right, this dude's at 20 something. This dude's at 25 and there's 15 guys. Surefire. Bobby Witt going to get called up. Adley Rushman, Julio Rodriguez, Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, Gabriel Moreno, Grayson Rodriguez, probably right. Um, Shane Baz, you, you, you get a Brendan Davis. They're all going to get called up. Tristan Casas, they're all going to get called up and you've got a list of 10 guys there and you're going to say, all right, he's going to be 10. Um, and, and you talk about guys lower down the list. You can also do that with guys on top. If you want to be collecting the number one overall prospect early, then you just go find guys that are in a ball that definitely aren't going to get called up, but are higher up the list. So Anthony Volpe or Volpe, Noel V. Marte, Marcelo Meyer, like those would be my three bets and Marco Luciano. Those would be my four bets on the next guy to become the number one prospect because almost every guy ahead of them is going to be graduating or that it's going to be like there's Francisco Alvarez, who I just don't think ends up the number one prospect because I just don't think they're going to put a catcher there, if that makes sense, unless it's Adley Rushman, right? I agree. So then, then you're looking at it and you're like, yeah, you know, Marcelo Meyer – he does well in rookie ball, and he's a, the whole Boston Red Sox thing. Yeah, I could see him number one prospect. Well, if mm -hmm. you don't want to pay number one prospect prices, buy him now. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly, and and that that's just one thing I want wanted to to end on is because you can make some easy money by just just doing an easy forecast. I mean, it's a cycle. Another thing too, I tell uh, would would suggest for people to do is if you go on MLB.com, you look at the top hundred. You can look at the last like see the list from 2021, 2020, 2019, follow the trends, like just do some basic research, look in the past, follow trends. It's, it's a cycle. It's not, it's not anything crazy. To be fair. I don't think you can find the start of the season list on MLB.com. Maybe I'm just too dumb to find it. So I do think it's always the end of the year update, which is probably a little bit, I don't know. I think I would like to see the start of the year 
and then be able to see the end of the year and study those and then start see the start of the next year. Mm-hmm. But I do agree it's good to go back and look at these previous lists, see where guys are moving, see what positions they are, see how young they were, see how far they moved up, study their stats. Obviously, it's a lot of studying, but if you want to be good at anything in life, you have to study. You studied in school. If you're in cards, you should probably spend your time studying too. Yep. And it's fun. Honestly, if you love baseball, it's not even like – I I mean, I do this for fun. You can do it on your phone. I mean, just get the MLB <laughs> – the MLB app. I look at prospects all the time when I'm just hanging out. Yeah. Tell your, go on a, go on a road trip. Tell your wife uh, or your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever to, or husband to travel. And you're going to just jump on your phone and look at your cards. And you know, next thing you know, there's going to be like 16 year old girls getting really big into cards and just letting their boyfriend drive everywhere. So they can just look up their Bowman Chrome prospects. Yeah. Morgan was, she was uh, prospecting Wander back in the day, so. Love it. I know how that love is. It. All right, Jimbo. I love that little tidbit, and that is, a, that is a good point. And something that you and I think of, but I don't always bring up, is that, yeah. Uh, forecast who's going to be moving off the list so you can figure out who's going to be moving up. As long as they keep playing well. Exactly. There's times where you're like, oh, this guy's going to move up because these 15 guys are going to move off, and then he stinks. And then all of a sudden you bet on the wrong guy. So you can you can still look at like the Marco Luciano's full pays, uh Martes, and uh and it's like you bet on the wrong dude. He's not moving up number one, he's moving back to 30. That's why it's important to listen to Dinian Corners every week because we will, when they get into the regular season, we will keep you updated on the prospects and how they're doing down at the minors. I like it. I like it. All right, Jimbo. With that being said, we are past an hour. A little bit past. So we will end it off there. Thank you again for joining this week. And thank you, everyone, for listening here on this Friday, even though we are recording it on a Thursday. Happy April Fool's Butchered that. Happy April Fool's Day to everyone that uh, is going to go fool somebody out there. And uh, you guys enjoy the rest of your day. See you, everyone. Deuces.